This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Good day. Welcome to the 120th episode of Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times, where we chat about some of the biggest talking points in sport, both here in Singapore and abroad. I'm sports editor Lee Yulin, and with me is assistant sports editor Rohit Brijnath. How's it going, Rohit? Yeah, hi, Yulin. Uh, good to be here. Excellent weekend. Uh, Super Bowl, uh, City versus Liverpool, uh, Australian Open started. Can't complain. Okay, now this is typically one of the biggest weeks of the year for you, Rohit, with the start of the Australian Open. You're normally in Melbourne covering the tournament for ST, but you know, obviously with COVID, this isn't possible this time. Are you missing the buzz? Yeah, big time. I mean, it's the way I've started the year for the past 13 years uh, since I've been in Singapore. And actually, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he was talking about how we're getting used to watching sport on television. But I miss... You know, being there, I miss uh, the sound. I think one of the things you miss is the sound. The sound when you're there in arena is totally different. It's just cleaner. You miss, I think, the speed. I think television just cannot translate speed. How fast these guys hit the ball, you just can't tell on a television. And the third thing, of course, is the emotion. And I always go back to a, a day, I think, uh, in 2016, I think, in the Australian Open in the semis when... Uh, Federer, I think, was getting hammered by Djokovic. He was two sets to love down. And the crowd just, you know, the emotion and energy of the crowd just lifted Federer to win the third set. He lost the match, but the winning of that third match, of that third set with the emotion, it was just one of those extraordinary things. I mean, your whole, your hair standing on end, you know, it's something which you can only feel if you are right there in the arena amidst everybody. So, yeah, I miss it. Big yep. time. I know you're not there, but tell us how different is this Australian Open going to be from previous years or even from last year's US and French Opens, the last two Grand Slams that took place amid the pandemic? Yeah, so it was quite uh, sweet this morning uh, when Naomi Osaka finished her match. Um, she's such a classy athlete because the first thing she came and said was, you know, thank you to the crowd for being there. I mean, obviously, it's not a full crowd. It's, it's a smattering of crowd. But I think for the players, it's really nice that at least there is some applause but yes, I think there is a certain tension to this tournament because um, of all the build-up. I think for two reasons. One is, of course, uh, the the players, you know, because there were cases, uh, COVID cases, positive cases on the flight uh, coming in, some of the chartered flights. So a lot of the players were in quarantine, couldn't practice. So there was a little bit of drama over that. Then you were wondering whether the tournament is going to be held. And I think within Melbourne itself, from what I gather, I think people were not completely sure whether the Open should be held. I think it's a question of, you know, they had fought so hard to keep the virus at bay and now you had all these visitors coming in and I think people understand the economics argument but the fact is safety obviously is far more important than anything else and I think that's what scared people. I think even in Melbourne, right, which is such a great sporting city, I think they're asking the questions whether the Open was worth it. And I think they, these were legitimate questions. And I think we should have these arguments in sport. Now, who do you think will go deep this time and why? So, just for the sake of being a little different, I'm going to just say that the Medvedev, who won the uh, sort of ATP Tour Finals at the end of last year and uh, Russia won the ATP Cup uh, last week, I think Daniel Medvedev is going to win the Open. And uh, it's, of course, a big call because, in truth, the favorite has to be Djokovic. I mean, Novak Djokovic is still the best player in the world, no question. And uh, especially on this surface, especially in, in Melbourne. So I think it's about really about beating him. But I think Medvedev 
you know, who's really, I find him an incredibly odd character. He's this very lanky guy. Uh, he's always, I find, a bit oddly dressed. I always think if you put him in a suit, he'd look like a, you know, an insurance salesman or something like that. But he is, uh, he's a brilliant player. I mean, okay. he's a really interesting player. Rafa is there, of course. Uh, Rafa, I think, feels a bit miffed that people forget that he won the Australian Open in 2009. So he's won here before. Yeah, that's that's more than a decade ago, Rohit. <laughs> yeah, but still, whatever. I think he gets upset that people forget he's won it because it's it's been a long time, as you say, but he did win it. He's got some injury issues. He has, I always think, a little bit of bad luck at this Open as well. But he's Rafa, man. I mean, these guys, you know, uh, Rogers Federer is not here. But I think, you know, Djokovic and Rafa, they're just there. So you got to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. That's key. So then you got Medvedev. I think Sissipas is key because Sissipas is one of the young guys who hasn't even got to a Grand Slam final yet. And I think he needs to make a statement. Dominic Thiem won the US Open, was in the Australian Open final last year, has got a big game. And uh, I think he's you know capable of winning, of course. I think your champion is going to come out of these people. Okay. You know, we're um, talking about Rafa. Um, you know, he is chasing a record. Right, um, how much of an incentive is that for him? You know, you you did tell me he's injured. You know, how how much do you think he will be able to um, drive through his problems to 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 make history? I think that you know, if you ask Rafa, he'll tell you, no, no, I take it one match at a time, which he probably does. He he, he does more than that. I think he takes it one point at a time. I've never seen a player give. 100% to each and every point, irrespective of what the match score is. He might be 5-love, 40-love. He might be love 5, love 40. He gives the same effort. That's what makes Rafa extraordinary. But there's no question about the fact that the record has to sit in his mind because the older he gets and the more injuries he has, the less chances he has to play. So how many slams does he have left? 4, 8, 12? I don't know. You can't say with his body. But the, the better the younger guys get... The older he becomes, his chances are fewer. So obviously, he, you know, it matters to him. He wants, he wants to have a shot at it at every slam. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, subscribe to Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. Now, back to the second half of our podcast. You know, Rohit was just telling us who he thinks will go deep in the men's draw. Now, let's hear your thoughts on the ladies, Rohit. Look, for me, there is no question in my mind that the women's game... The women's tour right now is much more fun for me than the men's tour. So I did some really quick checking, so I may be off a little bit, but I think there are only five men in the draw who have won Grand Slams, and there are 16 women in the women's draw who have won Grand Slams. But apart from that, I think that there are just many more players, and who and there's there are many more styles. So you've got... Quitova with her, you know, left-handed hammering forehands. And she's got such a beautiful natural game. You've got Halep's running. You've got Serena's serve. You've got the new young player, uh, Iga Swiatek's youth. You've got Bianca Andreescu coming back. You've got Osaka, who I think is the best player in the world. You've got Barty's variety. You've got Kenen, who's the defending champion. You've got Ons Jabot, who's a beautiful shot maker. You just, I think every day you're just going to get great matches. I think the variety and the characters on the women's store are just greater at the moment than they are on the men's tour. Yeah, that's. I think that's an interesting point. I mean, yet the fact that some that the, the fact is some people see women's tennis as less compelling than men because 
there isn't quite a dominant player, especially after you know Serena Williams sort of decline in the last few years. You know why? Why is that? So I think they they I mean it's men's tennis has had a great period, and I would say had. Right, because I think the time when Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic were jousting with each other, it was just probably a period we are never going to get back again for another twenty, thirty years. It always seems like that, at least. Women's tennis, yes, does not have one player at the head, right? Though I got a feeling maybe Osaka will take that over the next two years, but we're going to have to see. But I just think that they have so much variety, and there are so many rivalries in there, and they're they're old players and they're young players, and they're different styles. I think at the moment, even though they don't have one player who's leading the tour, I think it's still fascinating. You know, you actually you talk about rivalries in women's tennis now. What are the obvious rivalries? I, you know, in in my mind, the outstanding rivalries were always Evert and Navratilova, and you know, but. In the last few years, what are the rivalries that stand out most to you? Well, I think at the moment you will, you won't have a ever like Navratilova situation, probably because there are so many people, you know, vying for this. Though I think ever Navratilova just went and took their game to a different level and were playing at a higher standard, just at the top. Now there are too many players at the top, so I would say there's no one set rivalry per se. There are many. I think between different players and different styles, but there isn't that type of rivalry where two players just sort of separated themselves from the game and did something. So, if you had a wish for a dream final for the Australian Open, what would that be? I like. Uh, well, I think Osaka is a brilliant player, so I'd like to see Osaka or one of the young players play Serena. I mean, mm. I, I always think you know it would be nice to see Serena at least have a shot. At uh, her twenty fourth slam, difficult, but I'd like to see her sh- have a shot at it. Okay, now Serena. I mean, she's like a whole story, you know, on her own, right? So, such a great athlete. You know, she's thirty nine. Uh, pulled out of a semi final against uh, Ash Barty at the Yara Valley Classic last Friday with uh, injury. Now. What are her chances of of equaling Margaret Court's record? Yeah, this is this is a, this is a tough call. I mean, the, okay, let's look at the good side. The good side is this is Serena Williams, who is extraordinary. It was probably one of the greatest competitors I have ever seen in any sport, male or female. That's key. She likes this Open. She likes this surface. She's won here seven times. I think that's the most she's won a Slam. I think she's won Wimbledon also seven times. The last slam she's won, she won was in 2017, was at the Australian Open. So these are the things going for her. The other thing is that I think the other players, they have extraordinary respect for her, but I don't think they're intimidated anymore. That intimidation has long passed. Respect, but no mercy. I don't think they're, they're, they're going to crumble. And I think the younger players are just going to be a little bit faster than her. That's just, uh, they're going to be probably a little bit their body's a bit fitter. I think Serena has a lot of, obviously, understandably, injury issues. But she's smart. She knows how to play. She knows how to win. I think that um, she's 39. Like, you know, a lot of people compare her to Tom Brady, who's 43. But the fact remains, this is an individual sport. It's harder. You, you, there's nobody else to lean on. And uh, I think it's going to be a great ride. I mean, I, I, I just, I, if you ask me, I'd say it's unlikely she'll win. But if she won, would I be surprised? No. Mm, right. I mean, I mean, I thought Chris Everett had some interesting things to say. I mean, she she actually said that she thought Serena is faster now than she was before. 
you know, and even fitter, which I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't know whether you agree. I, I'm not, I'm not arguing <laughs> with Chris Evert, <laughs> but I think one of the nice things about Serena is that you can see the nervousness even this morning. I mean, just playing the first uh, match, she, she won her, she won eventually very easily, but she was a little nervous right at right at the beginning. And, you know, desperation is quite a beautiful thing in somebody who is 39 because she, in the same way, you know, a bit like Rafa, she also knows that she has only so many chances left. And that brings its own anxiety. And it's actually nice to see somebody who's won so many Grand Slams but is still sort of a little bit nervous. Does she need to break Court's legacy, you know, to validate her own standing in the game? No, no. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player there's, there's, there's been uh, in the women's side for sure. And, um, you know, Margaret Court has one more slam than her. She has 24. But there are certain things you have to consider. I think, I think one of the problems in sport has been, has been that one singular number has come to define greatness. I, I think greatness is a far more complicated thing, number one. Number two, I also believe that generations can be a bit of an issue. Now, for example, Margaret Court's generation, I think that is definitely an issue because out of her 24 slams, she won 11 at the Australian Open, right? In, in, in many of those slams, in four of them actually, the draw was only 32 players. Nowadays, it's 128, right? And in those days, the draw was primarily stuffed with Australians. I think in nine of those years, there were fewer than 10 non-Australians in the draw. So if you take that into account, I mean, obviously... You can't blame Court. She had to beat who she had to beat, and she did. But obviously, the game is harder, and it's wider, and it's more athletic, and it's just more difficult, you know. And I, I think that you can't bring it down to, you know, oh, somebody won 24 slams, somebody's won 23, therefore 24 is better. I, I disagree. I think Serena has longevity. She's changed the game. She's does astonishing things, uh, and she, I, I think she's the greatest. Yeah, right. And there goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week. I'm Lee Yulin, and we hope you enjoyed listening to Rohit Brijnath and myself. Don't forget, you can listen to our Game of Two Halves podcast on demand on audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.